Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to encourage and inspire you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss any of our encouraging episodes. You probably know by now that I always ask my guests what woman of the Bible has inspired, encouraged, or taught her something. But what about you? I'd love to hear what woman of the Bible has helped you in your walk with the Lord. Email me at hergodstory at somebodycares.org and tell me why. I just might read it in a future episode to encourage others who are listening. Remember, email me at hergodstory at somebodycares.org. Psalm 122 verses 6 and 7 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. Canada Bolin and her family have been living in Jerusalem for just about eight years now. You may remember her story from episode seven entitled, God's Got Great Things for You. If you haven't listened to it, you just might want to after hearing her update today. I've asked Canada to share her experience and perspective on what's happening in Israel now. Welcome back, Canada. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. Canada, you and your family have been living in Israel or in, in Israel and actually in Jerusalem for a number of years. And you've experienced life during heightened threat levels and even various terrorist activities in the nation. But the recent attack by Hamas was beyond what anyone could have thought or imagined. What did you and your family experience when those attacks first took place? You know, actually, we had just returned from four months away. And we had these two, we had just returned to Jerusalem and we had these two glorious days with friends and fellowship and food. It was the end of Sukkot. And so like really just such a special welcome home from the Lord, these two awesome days. And then the third morning, um, we woke up to the sound of sirens in Jerusalem at 830 in the morning. And I looked at my husband and he looked at me and then he checked his phone and he said, we have to go. So we woke up the kids and we said, get up, we're put on clothes. We're going to the shelter. And they're like, what, why like jet lagged? And so we just slowly, we have 90 seconds in Jerusalem to make it to the shelter. And so we made our way to the shelter where we were greeted by some of our neighbors that we hadn't seen yet. And there were hugs and there were, you know, it was surprising to have a, an alarm or a siren in Jerusalem for rockets. But so everyone did okay. And then we went back upstairs and then the siren sounded again. And so we quickly realized, okay, let's unpack our bags from our trip and let's get our grab and go bags together. And so each time that we went to the shelter, we would take the bags as ready as they were. And then we returned back upstairs. So it quickly became aware that we actually needed to get ready and have things in place, not knowing what was coming. So how many times did that happen in that day? And was there any news coming out about what was actually going on? My husband's connected with IDF um, immediate news sources. And so right away, people began learning of the atrocities and the trauma and the tragedy that was happening. And so it escalated even in Jerusalem from just being rockets to not knowing what might happen in the coming hours all throughout Israel. 
each time between the sirens, we started cleaning the shelter, preparing it in case we needed to sleep. We made things ready in case other neighbors would come. We prepared all of our documents and all of the essentials for the kids. So this is what the first day looked like for us. And as the war escalated, how did that affect your daily life and your emotions and, you know, of you and and your neighbors and other people in the country? You know, from the outset, the tragedy and the trauma impacted every person. No matter where they lived in the country, each person, each family had a, a family member involved. There were soldiers who were called up very quickly. So friends, parents, children, families were impacted at so many different levels. And so obviously the stress and the grief and the what ifs and the whys, like everyone's saying, how did this happen? And so right away, I think the worst is the unknowns of what might happen and the what ifs. And so right away, just recognizing that we really need to guard our hearts and our minds. We need to stay in the shelter of his wings and even daily tasks that you wouldn't like taking a shower. Suddenly you're like, okay, I really want to take a shower. But if the siren goes off, you know, I have my clothes laid out. I told everyone in the house, okay, I promise you I will be there in 90 seconds. Like going to the grocery store became a whole nother thing because you're always aware of where a shelter is and who's around and how long it would take you to get to safety and So it impacts every level of society and relationship and function. And how did you see people coping? I mean, you know the Lord. You said you, you know, it's a constant daily reminder, probably hourly and minute by minute reminder to stay in the shadow of his wings. How did you see other people coping and draw, you know, drawing together? Even my children commented, like, we have the Lord and we know his promises. We know that ultimately he is the only one who gives peace that the world can't take away. And others don't. I mean, there is a lot of, some people don't. But um, so everyone's glued to the news. I'm sure it's the same in America, but especially in um, Israel. Israelis watch a lot of news. And this just causes more stress. And so initially, I think there was just so much shock. People didn't know what to do. But once the soldiers began to be called up, um, people started organizing very quickly around the needs of the soldiers and the needs of the communities. And it was really incredible to see people coming together. I mean, they called up over 600,000 army reserves. There's not gear for all those people, not even bulletproof vests, not not even basic supplies, backpacks. They were spray painting their backpacks to match their um, clothes, just doing what they could with the gear that they had. And so right away, the mothers of the battalions were working together to raise funds and find the gear in the country. There's communities that were rallying together to provide food for the soldiers and doing the best that they could in this unknown situation, not knowing what's going to happen. The emotions are the tipping point. Everyone's like walking on this tipping point of emotional um, fatigue and stress. Yeah. You know, I know Canada, everything you and Justin and your family does is bathed in prayer and you ultimately decided to evacuate. 
what what brought you to that decision? How did that come to that? I mean, Scripture says the Lord will direct the steps of the righteous, um, and we need to be directed by the Lord. You know, especially in times like these, all the time, but especially in times like these. How did you come to that decision to evacuate? You know, we didn't make the decision alone, actually. And I feel like part of handling crisis is gathering together because it says in the Bible, do not give up meeting together as some is in the habit of doing. But all the more as you see the day approaching, cultivate community, spend time together, pray and worship together. And so we were doing that. We met with friends. We had fellowship and food and prayer. And we were hosting our small group, which is actually an Issachar Network small group to discern the times and the seasons. And everyone was asking, not everyone, I guess, some of us who have another place to go. Some people are like, where would we go? We're not going anywhere. Where, where else would we go? But for us as a family, being Americans and being volunteers in the country, it was a question for us. Will we stay or will we go? And the first couple of days, we were committed to staying, actually. We we just talked as husband and wife and as with our family, and we're like, okay, we're going to stay. And then a few days later, as things wear on, I was up in the middle of the night, and the Lord had actually been speaking to us about a hard left that was coming. He had been speaking to us for months about a hard left. So one night, I was just up in the middle of the night, and I was like, Lord, if this is the hard left, like, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't, I just in our zeal and in our desire to stay, I don't want to miss it. And so I just asked the Lord, I was like, please speak to my husband. The next morning when we woke up, Justin and I were sitting on the couch and he said, I had a dream. And so he told me his dream and it was about an army plane that was taking off and there was a tank guarding it actually to make sure that the plane took off safely. And he said, Canada, he said, I think we were on that plane. And so this opened the conversation up for leaving. And that day, as I just before the Lord, it was just a quiet day. I didn't feel like going anywhere. We didn't meet up with anyone. And I was just in this place. And I, I so experienced the pleasure of the Father over our lives that the pleasure over our willingness to stay, the pleasure over our willingness to go. I mean, for the sake of our kids, it's, if it was just Justin and I, like, I don't think you could have pulled us out of there, but I just has such pleasure, the pleasure of the father over us. And it was so kind and so gracious. And so that night, actually, we had our small group and we all just shared where we were and what was happening and what the, we felt like the Lord was saying. And so we told them, we said, we're not sure what we're going to do. And they said, you'll be confident. The Lord will give you confidence that you will know what to do. You will have confidence. So the next morning we wake up and Justin, again, he said, babe, he said, we're supposed to go. He said, I feel it in the depths of my spirit. We're supposed to go. And so I just like submitted and agreed. And even in that, those next hours, there was actually this like small excitement that sprung up in my, like in my being and which could only be the Lord. And so we just leaned into it. And then it all happened so quickly. There was hardly time to think about it until we landed in the States. Yeah. I mean, with so many people trying to leave the country, there were a lot. And, and, and airlines had canceled their flights. 
So your departure really could only be orchestrated by the Lord. And how did he do that? Share what happened. So honestly, I've used that to stir myself up and encourage myself since we've landed in America because our hearts are so just for our friends and our neighbors. And it's been really hard, actually, to be away from these people that we love and have given our lives to for eight years. So my husband, after we decided that we would depart, we he started reaching out, looking online for options with different organizations that were helping people to leave Israel. And immediately he got a WhatsApp message. And then suddenly we found ourselves on a Zoom call with an organization called Project Dynamo. And what they do is they rescue Americans in other countries. This is their this is the only thing that they do. They're working in 14 different countries right now. Long story short, we find ourselves on a flight less than 36 hours later. And it was wild. It was a faith walk. The whole thing was a faith walk from, there was no details. It was definitely a like special ops um, operation. The man who runs it is like special ops with the army. And it was an incredible experience. So... We get this sort of cryptic, we, we entered our information in this website that offered um, rides. So one of them was Project Dynamo and another one was um, Glenn Beck's organization. So we just submitted some information to them saying we're interested. We were not in a rush. Things in Jerusalem were peaceful. Aside from the occasional rocket, things were peaceful. It was actually eerily quiet, so quiet. So we weren't in a rush at all. But we reached out and we instantly get this text from this like case manager who happened to be from the Ukraine and she didn't have great English. And it was sort of, she just wrote us and said, can you confirm your attendance on the flight tomorrow, tomorrow night? Four people, right? And we were like, no, five people. And it was just all a little bit strange. I'm like, yeah, no, like, let's, let's keep waiting, you know? But anyways, next they send us a message and they're like, how about a Zoom call? We're, we're having a Zoom call in two minutes. And we're, so, we're, so we're like, okay, well, we'll get on the Zoom call and l- learn more information. And so we get on this Zoom call and the na- his name is Brian Stern. And he's just like, here's the deal. He's like, tomorrow night, you will get out of Israel. He said, we have um, this flight that will happen. And tomorrow night after Shabbat ends, I want you to send me your address and your name, and we will send transportation to pick you up. He's like, no smiley faces, no thank yous, just your name and your address. And then we will meet you at the plane. If the airspace closes, we will have four boats waiting for you, and you will get on a boat and you will go to Cyprus, where we have another team waiting for you who will get you to America. I mean, he had a like... It was incredibly detailed and a total like special ops, like we're removing you, we're extracting you. And so I had more confidence then, you know, that this was actually a legit thing and this is very well um, taken care of. But even so, still not in a rush, still not sure. So this is late on Friday night. And then Saturday morning we wake up and we're like, okay, we'll pack, we'll be ready. We'll see what happens. Anyways, so... Long story short, um, Saturday when Shabbat is over, we get this text. The flight is delayed till six in the morning. Um, 
we're going to send you a pin, a Google pin. And when you get that pin, you go to that location in the airport. Everyone's like, well, what terminal? And he's like, just wait for the pin. Go to wherever this Google pin map mark is. And that was it. So we all show up at the airport. You could tell the others who were looking around like, oh, you must be with Project Dynamo because we didn't know where to go yet. There wasn't a pin. Everyone's just going because they said to go at a certain time. And it was seriously faith the whole time. And so then we they pull us back in the side room and they're like, okay, send your passports up to the guy in the blue hat. And you're like, you want me to give my passport to the guy in the blue hat? Like there's hundreds of people standing in this room. And so anyways, everyone does. We give them the passports. They're stacked up on the counter and he's calling, making the manifest one by one. So finally we get a boarding pass and then it feels a little more official. We get to the gate and we were actually delayed several hours because there were rockets. And with every rocket, you have a half hour delay and we were waiting on other flights that have been delayed and, And then everyone boards the plane. It was first come, first serve. And so you get on. And actually, before we got on, he's like, I don't know if there'll be food or water, maybe by yourself. So we requested food and water. We don't know. Like, go ahead and get yourself some water just in case. And then he's like, it just depends how much fuel we get in Tel Aviv, if we'll need to stop in Portugal on the way to Tampa. Like, it was all very go with the, it was very like minute by minute. So anyways, we get on the plane. I assume that everyone is praying for a safe departure. And we finally make it to Tampa um, after a stop in Portugal. And then we were greeted. It was such a special ceremony. Like, it was very special. We were greeted by Governor DeSantis and his family and other people supporting Israel. And they actually had like an amazing spread of food and services like um, the emotional safety dogs that they use in crisis. And they had services and cell phone companies and gifts and toys for the children. Like it was such a special reception. I would actually, it was anyways, it was a whirlwind. And it wasn't until we got home that I began to process what just happened. Yeah. So what have you feel like the Lord's been saying to you through and in the midst of all this as you've processed? So I think that piece of his pleasure is so important for all of us, you know, to know that we are loved and that he delights in us, like because he first loved us, we love him and we trust him and we obey him. And so I think that was a really essential component in our rapid obedience and um but something else that he's really been saying the whole time is that worship is warfare and this battle this is a battle this battle is not against flesh and blood this is a battle against the powers and principalities and it's a battle against God's covenant with Israel and his his own faithfulness and his promises it's It's the enemy coming against who God is. And so our worship matters and our worship is warfare. And so we can actually contribute and participate with our worship. And so that's a major thing that he's been saying. I think Ephesians 6 is a really important scripture for this time, not only for people in Israel, but just on the earth at this time, 
because deception is increasing and we have to be so discerning. I feel like discernment is another key theme in all of this, because even while we're in Israel, there was false, like they were hacking into the red alert system, hacking into our home front command. And so sending these alerts, like psychological warfare, information warfare that caused so much stress, but they weren't actually real things. So like increasing our discernment and leaning into the Lord as never before so that we know and can discern what is truth and what is not and and guarding our hearts and minds um, with his truth and also just with his presence and not like what we take in, we need to really be careful. The last thing I will say, um, the Lord had been speaking to us everywhere we went in America on our, on our furlough was the story about Elijah and when he was hiding in the cleft of the rock and there was a whirlwind and there was a fire and there was an earthquake, but he wasn't in any of those. He was in the still small voice. And so I think this goes back to the discernment piece too, but I think a lot of times I I also can just look for the big sign like, oh, then I'll know what to do. But it really is in a still small voice and we need to cultivate our ability to hear and to obey and to trust that we can hear his still small voice. And so this is another major um, theme that we've been trying to grow in and walk in in this season. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that. I I was on the phone with my sister about an hour ago, and we were talking about that exact same thing, how we need to cultivate hearing the still small voice of the Lord saying, this is the way, walk in it, go this way, go right, go left. And I think it's, you know, the Lord has been asking all of us to cultivate that for several years now. And I think we're all, you know, getting tested on it now. (laughs) Can you hear my voice? And if not, tune your ear a little bit sharper. Um, but now that you're stateside, do you have a sense, Canada, uh, what your mandate is in this season? You know, that's a really good question. This is the burning question of the hour. Um, we feel like we had rest when we were here previously. And now this is about something that the Lord has positioned us specifically to do. We're definitely on the day-to-day plan, um, figuring that out. We're we feel like we're in like fact finding mode. We're reaching out to relationships. We're the gathering information. On the one hand, I definitely know that, of course, it's about speaking truth and standing with Israel and sharing what what we know and carry. And I also believe it's about preparing America too. I think there, as which has been a surprising piece, even as we've um, landed recognizing, you know, we wrote a book on home and family disaster preparedness and it's in our hearts. But I do think the preparedness piece, preparing America and just preparing hearts and even practical things is also on the radar. Not sure what any of it will look like, but these are the two things that we carry and that we want to be effective and faithful with. Yeah, and you do have this preparedness peace curriculum, which is excellent that people can uh, go do together in a group, and uh, it helps you prepare your heart and your home for whatever disaster or crisis might come. So if you're listening and you're interested in more information, you can go to our show notes and we'll have a link to that preparedness peace curriculum. 
so that you can find out more about it. Um, Canada, can you share some specific prayer requests and needs about the situation in Israel and, and in Gaza? I mean, there's a lot of people suffering there uh, from Hamas as well. You know, an interesting fact, I don't know that many people know, Gaza, for for people who are seeking uh, to know more about a relationship with Yeshua or Jesus, Gaza, in the Middle East, Gaza is the number one place that people respond to with openness to the gospel and openness to learning about who the prophet Jesus is. And so I, you know, Isaiah 55 is, is a chapter that I really focus on when it comes to crisis, because he says, for everyone who turns to me in this time of need, I will give him my faithful love promise to David. Like he has such life and a covenant of love and faithfulness that he gives to anyone who turns to him. And so this is really our prayer, um, especially for Gaza, that the Lord would protect the innocent civilians and draw them unto himself. Yeah. And do you have, um, maybe you can, or maybe you can't share any specific prayer requests that you know right now is for people to target prayer. I mean, of course, you know, many, many people are praying about the situation, but are there specific prayer needs that can be targeted in our prayer time together? Isaiah 55 would be a key one for both Israel and Lebanon and um, Gaza, just that they would turn to him in their place of need. And also wisdom for the Israeli leaders that they would seek the Lord and they would do what he says, like in Second Chronicles 20, like all through the Bible, that the leaders would not listen to any other counsel or any other motivations, but would seek the Lord and do what he says. Ephesians 6 is a big one for everyone who's living there because many families have evacuated areas and they're living in new regions for the time being. There's a lot of families and civilians that are trying to go about their normal life as much as they can. Schools have resumed in Jerusalem and people are working. And and so just that we would guard our hearts and minds, that we'd take on the armor of God and all of the gifts that he's given us to like just comfort, comfort for his people. And, and of course, for the soldiers, that they would be supernaturally protected and effective. Well, Canada, as we, as we close and we, we will pray in a, in a few minutes, but as we close, is there a woman of the Bible whose story you think is particularly relevant to this season? You know, a lot of people have been talking about Esther and about how the last time an edict came out of Persia to destroy all the Jewish people, this is very, this is, this is the same thing. And this is a edict coming from Iran to destroy Israel. And so like Mordecai and like Esther, I believe as believers, who love and serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that we're called to stand with the Jewish people and with God's promises for Israel. I, you know, the replacement theology has stolen so much of our understanding of God's heart for Israel 
and it as a specific location and a specific people with a very specific destiny. And so I feel like this is America's time and us as believers to rise up in that position, to stand with Israel and to stand with the promises of God. And I do expect that that will become more and more costly, but he's worthy. Well, you know, God in, in Genesis 12, two and three, going back to the very beginning, God promises Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word stands true. So those who bless the descendants of Abraham will also be blessed. And the descendants of Abraham are the Jewish people. Of course, John 3, 16 and 17, you know, we all probably can recite that from our heart, but it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus loves even those that you and I might not think deserve salvation. But he sent Jesus to seek and save the lost. He doesn't want anyone to perish. So while we bless Israel and we pray that evil will be vanquished, as Canada said, we must also pray for the salvation of all, like the Palestinians who are trapped in the crossfire and even those associated with Hamas and Hezbollah. God has and continues to save people who are trapped in all sorts of false ideologies. Um, I've heard stories of terrorists being saved. So Canada, would you take a moment and lead us in prayer? Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be alive on the earth at this time. I thank you that for each person listening, God, you chose us, you handcrafted us and positioned us to be alive at this time for a special purpose. And so God, today we lift up Israel, we lift up Jerusalem, we lift up your people and the people of Gaza and Lebanon too, God, all these people involved, Lord. And we ask you to draw them unto yourself. We ask you to reveal yourself. God, you love to show up. So I ask God for the families and the children and the soldiers and the leaders that you would reveal yourself, that you would comfort them, that you would be present with them, that you would speak tenderly over them, that you would just love on them, Lord. And I pray for those of us who are not in the land at this time, God, that you would just grip our hearts, that you would give us revelation of your heart for Israel and that we could stand with you and declare the promises and the truth and your faithfulness, God. Let us see your faithfulness. This is all about your faithfulness. And so we just say today, we trust you. We love you. May your kingdom come and your will be done. In the name of Jesus. You know, friends, there are orphans and widows all over the world who need to experience the tangible expression of God's love right now. And we're working to identify the best way to help those who have been orphaned by this war. There are many with special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help? Just go to hergodstory.org 
and click on the Widow and Orphan tab at the top of the page. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find scriptures and other information we talked about. You can also get a free six-week devotional of Women of the Bible you can download or purchase a 12-week devotional that we'll send to you for just $12, knowing that all the proceeds go to the Widow and Orphan Fund. We'd love to pray for you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. So give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. And now, dear friends, I bless you from Isaiah 30, verse 21. May your own ears hear the Lord. Right behind you, his voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. May you hear his voice clearly. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.